Hello, and welcome to Molly Movie Club. I'm Anna Repberg. And I'm Casey Muratori. And today's movie is, uh, it's the final movie in our World War I series. And uh, it is Gallipoli, directed by Peter Weir. This is also titled Gallipoli, for right. people who don't know how to pronounce it. That's right. Um, which was which doesn't it happen in the movie, too? Didn't somebody, in the beginning, one of the characters yes. says it wrong and they, like, corrected? Yeah, because they're, they're like, where is that? Like, yeah, I mean, why would you know at yeah. the time, right? So, uh, Anna Retberg, mm-hmm. what did you think of Gallipoli? I would say, in general, I liked it. It was doing some things I thought really well. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also had some pretty big issues okay. that made it not amazing. Okay. Weirdly, it made me, I kept thinking of the big blue while watching this movie. Yes, because that's the, a very good analogy. The music, I mean, I, I, the music is probably one of my biggest complaints of this movie. It's yeah. all over the place. It's like, it's sometimes it's like symphonic and other times it's like weird 80s. And, th- and that was the thing that made me think of the big blue, right? And it's also similar. It's like these two guys who are competing yes. with each other, who are friends. Especially the first chunk of the movie even feels like the big blue and that it's like kind of aimless and, and meandering. Yes. Until you said that, I had not considered that, but... Like, I was about to say a bunch of things about this movie that were very similar to what I said about The Big Blue. Yeah. So, but I just didn't put it together that, yeah, yeah. that they were the same. You're totally right. It was the music that Im- initially made me yes. think of The Big Blue. Very but good then, point. Um, I think I do think this movie is better in general than The Big Blue in that it works. I think a little better. Um, overall, I'd probably part ways with you there. I think this was worse than The Big Blue. Interesting. Because I didn't like either movie at all. Mm-hmm. I thought both movies were not good. Mm-hmm. But as I mentioned at the end of Big Blue, I felt like it did manage to get across an intangible thing. Okay. That su- it surprised me that it did. Okay. It just somehow did. Okay. Um, and this movie, I f- like, I'm going to have trouble remembering it long enough to even talk about it, was how little yeah. impact this movie had on me. I mean, I guess I... I... Yeah, there's some... This movie has some issues... For me, I, a lot of those issues are in in the things that make it feel kind of like cheap and dated. Um, okay. Like the the okay. music is kind of like chaotic and all over the place. It's and almost sci-fi, was how I would describe it. It it's sounded really strange. It sounded like from a um, y- you know, almost like a Star Trek 1960s kind of a like yeah. Kind of thing, and I'm like, why is this they, in a World War One movie? When it has more more traditional film score kind of stuff, I think it works better. But it, the 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 very 80s like synth stuff very doesn't. It, it's it really clashes with what is being shown on the screen, um, and makes the movie feel really dated. Um, I, I was kind of thing- wondering if that had something to do with like Chariots of Fire, because there yeah, are two. Maybe because this is like a sort of big picture politics world events kind of thing Mm -hmm. with running in it sort of I can't help but have the weird random connection that like were they thinking Vangelis Chariots of Fire theme I don't know but it's just I I don't know it's also just a fad like everything in the 80s kind of sounded this way and I think I agree it's one of the reasons stuff from the 80s tends to feel more dated than movies from other time periods because people like really dived into some of these 80s fads so I don't know. I mean, I think well, that- it's not really dated so much as it's like it, whether it worked across purposes. 
is what makes it feel yeah. dated. Yeah. Blade Runner's score feels great today. True. It, because it Because it happens to be sci-fi. And that sort of thing kind of works. Yeah. Uh, it's Which when might you just th- be kind of happenstance. It might not. It's happenstance. You know, it's not I intentional. Think. Yes. Um, and because I, I think the audiences at the time probably wouldn't have felt quite the same way somebody watching it now feels about it. Possibly. Um, but I also think, like, this movie, it was easy to compare to something like Lawrence of Arabia, too, because there's a lot of, like, similar locations Right. Kind of like desert. And and the thing that it was really interesting to me, I felt like this movie really, really shows why Lawrence of Arabia is so incredible. Because like, you know, this this stuff filmed in like the desert kind of Mm -hmm. locations here. It's not like awful or something. It's better than Dune. Yeah. And and I think it just it it does make you realize just how exceptional Lawrence is because it's like a next level up. I mean, even stuff like. There's a lot of sloppiness in this movie with the, like, the camera was, like, shaking all over the place and, like, just this feeling of, like, you could feel the difficulty of getting some of these shots, whereas in it, there's such an ease to it in Lawrence of Arabia. It's almost like you're unaware of the fact that there's a camera filming things. So well, I ju- would assume, though, that Lawrence of Arabia is a massively higher budget picture probably, as well, yeah. though. I mean, I don't really know that. I mean, this but... was pretty big scale, though. Huge, huge numbers of people. But I like, don't know what the tons budget of locations. was. Yeah, right? maybe. This, this may have been pulled off on a relatively low budget. It has no name brand anyone in it. Mel Gibson was not a known actor right, at the time. Right. So I have to imagine that perhaps this was actually, we should look, mm-hmm. but my guess would be that this was not, that this might have been a movie that actually managed to punch above its weight in terms of like appearing higher budget because I sure. doubt this really was all that high budget. Yeah. Especially compared to something like Lawrence of Arabia, which the budget uh, yeah, must have been totally, ama- totally. amazingly high. And right. obviously like the sound really is terrible. Um, the audio sure. quality. This isn't yeah. re- this has not been restored or anything as far yeah. as I can tell. The the film quality is crap as well, but mm-hmm. that again is probably just a lousy restoration. The yeah, film it, probably didn't look like that. I'm was, sure if, yeah. if people really loved this movie and it was like a classic, it would have gotten, gotten restored and it would look yeah. a lot better. That would but, be my guess as well. Yeah. Um However, that said, I'll throw in a brief note sure, here. I don't sure. think it's really worth talking about much more. I just think fundamentally Peter Weir just doesn't shoot good-looking movies. Uh, like mm. Master and Commander and this movie, I think both share a similar trait in that respect, which is it would appear that the attention to detail in what is in the shot is high. Yeah. I don't know for a fact because I'm not a naval historian or a World War historian, so you know it's for someone else to say. But in general, they look very detail-oriented, yeah. and I feel like that part probably is what... That's the strongest part of this movie, much like right. it is with Master and Commander, yeah. But the shots are lousy. Yeah. They're always lousy. In Master Commander, they were lousy every single time, and uh, even when it was put together in a good way, like in the beginning of Master and Commander where you have this chaotic scene and it feels really good... The shots are still fairly lousy. They're just very plain. They're not picking particularly good locations for them. They don't produce particularly good silhouettes. Yeah, the, compo- they don't, the compositions are kind of like, eh, like it's they're, just they're n- very yeah. uninteresting. I think that's um, why I was saying comparing it to Lawrence of Arabia, right? Like the the, the difference right. there is really strong because you're Absolutely. filming very similar locations. Yes, I. Uh, and so I do think that that I would say the same thing about cinematography as I would say in Master Commander, which is that it produces something that does look believable, yeah. but uninteresting. Yeah. But like Peter Weir, believable but uninteresting is how I would categorize what he puts on the screen. Mm-hmm. Now, having looked at two of his kind of like mm-hmm. broad, like big movies or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I do think what you just you just kind of hit on what I felt like was the strongest part of this movie, too, which is like. 
I guess the similar to Master and Commander. There's a lot yes. of attention to detail in in all of the details, right? Like I think this movie feels There's just a lot of detail. Let's exactly. Put it that like way. this movie, you know, it feels like it's taking place in real places at all times to me. Yes, you believe they are where they are. Yeah. yeah. And and I think the reason I felt this movie kind of works on some level is because Wherever you are with these characters, it feels like they're actually there experiencing the place and behaving like in a realistic way. You know, like I love the scenes when they're in Egypt and they're just have free reign and they're going around and interacting with stuff. It feels so like real. And I feel like to portray like soldiers in that way, I think it did a really good job of humanizing them Mm -hmm. before. Because, I mean, there's this big buildup to the inevitable, like, you know, they're all going to basically die kind Mm -hmm. of thing. Right. And especially after 1917, where you're talking about like this lack of feeling like these people are human. This movie is like the opposite of that. It spends the whole movie sort of like focusing on the little minute everyday things of actual people's lives and building up to this to the battle. Right. Um, And I, I thought that was like a cool idea. To spend basically the entire movie about... It's a war movie, but it, the whole movie is basically not set at the actual war. It's building up these characters so then you can put them in the war and like have a totally different relationship with them. Yes, and I would say from a screenwriting perspective, I love that decision. Yeah. So I would say that it decision-wise, it lands very close to Lawrence of Arabia in that... It's choosing to do the right things, meaning it's spending time letting us know who these people are and why they're doing what they're doing so that I actually care about what happens to them. And they're not it's not just like documentary footage of a war, like is what 1917 felt like, where I just don't care about this any more than I would of just a random news story about war, Mm -hmm. uh, people dying in a war. Right. It's like it, it humanizes it in a way that like that movie doesn't. However, yeah. I guess what I would say is the same problem that Weir has with images, he has with story to me. Okay. And there's a screenwriter on this one. So it was story by Peter Weir and there's separate screenwriters. So I think that might be slightly different than Master Commander I where I think he's actually credited who. with screenplay as a higher billing. So he might have been less involved okay. in this. I don't know. Okay. Um, but obviously still very involved. He has a credit. It's not some other guy wrote the screenplay and he well, wrote the movie. He, he, obviously, this movie was, Gallipoli um, was a movie that was his idea. Like, he yes, wanted to make this movie. He wanted movie. to make this movie uh, roughly this way, mm-hmm. and then someone else wrote the screenplay or mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah. But um, what I would say is he has the same problem. So Master and Commander in this movie, I have the exact same problem with which is that he, much like he doesn't seem to know where to point the camera to get a good-looking shot, he doesn't know where to point the screenplay to get a good story. What I mean by that is you can, if you imagined anything from, you know, take whatever film you love, Lawrence of Arabia, if you just pointed the camera down 30 degrees in a Lawrence of Arabia shot, it looks like crap now and it's not very interesting. Mm -hmm. It's like the very particular place that it was put and where everything is in the shot is incredibly important. And right. you can't just zoom in on the camel's ass of a shot in <laughs> Lawrence of Arabia and it's the same shot. No, they're totally different, right? Mm-hmm. It's like that how you frame it, the same thing makes all the difference. And the same is true for screenwriting. The same series of scenes with the same people in them, what you choose to show and not show of those sequences is what makes the screenplay work or not work. Okay. Right? Yeah. And this movie is just a classic example. I think Deep Blue kind of, uh, sorry, The Big Blue was as well. 
which is just it it doesn't pick the right parts of scenes to show hmm. to add up to something. And so what you get is a lot of things that just feel very disjointed. Like the collection of scenes they chose to show you from these people's lives are random rather than intentional, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. is what it feels like when you're watching this movie. And so I feel like although what they were trying to do is what I want a World War One movie to be like, what they actually managed to do did not resonate with me at all. This movie definitely has that slice of life feeling. Yes. Which I think... I actually really like in a lot of ways because that's that's life, right? Like for most people at most times, it's kind of just a random sequence of events that aren't that monumental, right? And I like that it was sort of portraying the everyday sort of experience of these men, right? Like it's not necessarily that exciting or interesting. And that's sort of like almost the point too. It's like they're excited about this war. Like it's it, it provides them some sort of like excitement. And uh, I kind of like the mundaneness of everything. Yeah, I don't know. It felt it felt. It has, kind it has of nothing tr- to do with mun- mundaneness. Just okay. to be clear, okay. that's not at all what I'm talking about. Okay. So I literally am trying to draw an exact analogy to what I said before about focusing on the camel's ass. It's the same thing. I'm not talking about whether the events are mundane or not. I'm talking about what parts of each scene did you choose to show? So, for example, a very simple example of this, right, is in how you – so so it's it's very difficult for me to do without just rewriting this movie and saying, (laughs) like, here's how I would have done these things. But I'll try to give, like, a concise concise example as I can. So – when we f- are first introduced to Mel Gibson's character, mm-hmm. so there are four new characters that you're about to be introduced to in mm-hmm. this scene. There's his three friends mm-hmm. who will be th- seen throughout the movie yeah. in various capacities and him, right? Mm-hmm. But prior to that, there are also four characters. There's uh, the the other main character whose name, I don't remember anyone's name of this. The other main character and his friend. Archie? Archibald. Who Archie. cares? I don't even yeah. care, but whoever they are. The first, the guy we start with, the runner we kind of start with is right. Arch- Archie, I think. And two other characters mm-hmm. who's like, uh, two other guys who also ride horses who they are slightly antagonistic, not really, but you know, they're kind of friendly rivals and yeah, they, yeah. they bet on this race mm-hmm. to have back, right? We see that. Um, and so in the first, you know, 15 minutes of this movie, there's also one layer up from that. There's the uh, dad and the uncle, mm-hmm. right? I believe mm-hmm. it's his father. Mm-hmm. I'm not entirely sure, but I believe it's his father. There's and one his scene uncle. with his father at like the dinner table or whatever. Yeah. yeah. But it's mostly with in his the uncle. first 15 minutes of this movie, they're trying to slam in close to 10 characters and you're supposed to be having some kind of bearing on, on this, right? And that's pretty difficult to do. If you want to do that correctly, you have to be pretty careful. And so I'll tell you what happened to me when I was trying to watch Mm -hmm. this and how I would have fixed it. Just as a simple example of why I think this movie falls apart for me in almost every scene, not because of what the scene is, but because how they chose to construct it. Okay. So in the cut, I'm already very confused at that point, kind of with the number of characters. I'm like, okay, I've got it. All right, there's a, there's a kid. Maybe this guy's kind of a rival to him. I'm not sure. All right, there's the father who they're sort of, he seems to be on better terms with his uncle. So I guess maybe there's something going on with his father, right? In my head, there's this whole thing I'm trying to keep track of as we roll into that thing. My brain is like 
sussing that out, right? We smash cut to four other people sitting around like a campfire. Mm-hmm. At first, because I'm not great with facial name remembrance well, also, necessarily. We right? haven't seen like we haven't had very Barely much any. time. To... to cut to that scene, I don't know what's going on. I'm like, oh wait, are these is one of these guys the guy who bet him in the race before? Um okay, wait, they're sitting around talking. Oh hey, wait, that's Mel Gibson. So I, he hasn't been in before. Okay, I guess these are four other guys. Uh, they're talking about whether they're going to enlist in the military. Okay, I guess the other guy was talking about that too, right? This is what happens mm. in my head. Mm-hmm. Most of this movie has that feel to me. Every time we cut, there's not good shot delineation of who we're focused on, why we're looking at them at that time, and who they are. And my brain is constantly being... So an example of how you would fix that scene for me, just to be really clear on mm-hmm. how I struggle with this film and what I, what how a different director, I think, would have totally changed the feel with of this just movie. even the same scenes. Same and, scenes. Yeah. No difference in the scenes. The end of that scene is them getting on a train. Mm-hmm. If you simply split the scene the other way around, suddenly I have no trouble with it. So we smash cut from the end of the other kid saying, I'm going off to the races or whatever, mm-hmm. right? That's what I think that was the last thing they mm-hmm, said they were mm-hmm. gonna do. Smash cut to just Mel Gibson's face. He's running towards the camera at breakneck speed with like a goofy grin on his face. And we start to pull out and we see that he's running for a train. He grabs onto the train and he comes up and gets in it. And then he goes out to the side of the train and goes like, come on, come on, come on. And his friends come and he pulls them up and then they have the exact same conversation. Why does this fix the scene for me? A, it tells me this is a new character in a new situation that has nothing to do with the last thing we were working on. Two, it tells me who the character is that I'm actually supposed to be paying attention to. So I'm not confused about all these new characters, because those other three are not important. Like, they're just going to be side buffer characters Mm -hmm. that I'm not really supposed to know that much about. So help me out here. Show me who I'm focusing on so my brain is less confused. Three, it tells me more about his character when I first see him, instead of me having to backfill that later. And again, all of these things, there's no difference in the scene. I just cut it in half and split which order they were shown in. But the reason that helps me out is because when you have a confusing set of things to show to the audience at first, it really helps to let them know with the visuals who is who and what you're supposed to be paying attention to. So that's an example. The whole movie, I would have the same comment on every scene. Every scene of this movie, I was like, there was a different way to shoot this that would have helped me focus my attention so I wasn't so confused all the time about what was going hmm. on. That's interesting. I, I Well, I think that specific example you gave, especially early in the film, I think this, I think the thing you're talking about is is noticeable to me, but not as, as it's not affecting me as like strongly. Yeah. I do think in the beginning of the movie, um, that feels stronger. I think that's why I was connecting it, especially in the early part, to the Big Blue, because so much of the Big Blue just felt like nonsense to me. Like, yeah, yeah. you don't understand why people are yeah. where they are or who they... Yeah. You know what I mean? And um, and this, I think the beginning part of this movie, even though it was actually a lot more coherent, I think did have a little of that feeling. And the, the example you gave, I think, is, is definitely the strongest example, because I also felt... 
that scene in particular, when you cut to those four guys, your brain is definitely like, like well, what? You know, yeah. you like pretty quickly you realize these are new characters, yeah. but it's definitely like a little jarring, and you yeah. have you have this moment of like, oh wait, okay, um, and that's not great like to feel in a movie, right? You don't want your you want to just be flowing through it and not having your brain sort of like catch on stuff. Well, it's, it's discordant is I guess the way I would yeah, say it. Yeah, where, yeah. you know, uh, great movies to me are when everything works together to tell the same story, yeah. right? Um, and in this case, it was like everything is diverging. The screenplay is going one way. The camera's going another way. The soundtrack's going another way. And it's just, everything just feels discordant all the time. But it didn't need to. And that's, I yeah, guess, what I, I'm saying. I guess I don't know if I feel that as strongly as you do. I do think the music absolutely gives, yeah, absolutely, gives you that. Yeah. Um, and I do think there are moments with, like, like the example you gave is probably the strongest example of that. I think... I can, I'm going to give some others in a second. I'm I, sure I, you will. I think you'll agree are very strong, but I don't, maybe not. Maybe, but I think... I, I didn't find myself feeling confused. I would... Very often <laughs> in this movie, like, I, I don't think confusion is really the word that I... Confused may be the wrong term. Yeah, because I was discordant never, is, I guess, the yeah, best word for it. Yeah, maybe I can understand that because I was never confused. I always knew me what, too what was happening, and and uh, I actually did feel like I I got a sense of who the characters were pretty quickly and didn't have trouble like telling apart people. And and I think the movie does a nice job of sort of having like a lot of people in it. Like I think the the initial scene you're talking about with his family is actually kind of like. Nice in a way where it's like you get the sense that he has a complex family with complex relationships. Even though it's in the movie so briefly, you get the feeling like, okay, this is a person living a life that's complex, right? Um, And that's all you really need. You just need to feel like the sort of humanity of this guy. And I think that comes through, at least for me. Uh, Yeah, like I was saying, maybe confused is the wrong word. I do... I actually don't know that it's the wrong word because I'm using it kind of maybe to talk about a specific type of confusion, I guess, is the thing. At no point in the movie did was I unable to figure out what was going on. Mm-hmm. I think what I'm trying to say is I felt like I was the one figuring out what was going on, not the director. And that was what was annoying me. Meaning I'm doing all the work here, not you, which is not the way I want to watch a movie, right? If if I'm having to do work to uncover deeper things about a film, that's a different story, you know? Um, but if I'm the one who has to do the work putting together what the heck this scene was supposed to be about all the time, that just seems like bad filmmaking to me. And that's, I guess, more why I'm complaining mm-hmm. about it. So confused is probably wrong because it makes it sound like there were times when I wasn't sure what was happening literally, right. which is not true. But part of the reason that's not true as well is because the things that happen in this movie are very mundane. I think if this movie had had scenes in it that were difficult to understand, forget it. Like, there is no subtlety in this film, which is why I think it's not literally confusing. I think if this were trying to tell a more complicated narrative where it mattered what the plot points were, mm. I think it would completely fall apart well, because they I, can't even manage to well, get sure, the basics sure, right. Sure, but it's right? not it's not doing that, thankfully. But I'm just saying it doesn't make it okay that the to me. Okay. Uh, let me give another example from later in the movie because I think you were saying well the beginning was like that. I think the whole movie was like I, that. I don't know. I mean, I definitely felt because I, I, the thing you're describing mm-hmm. I, I sort of I'm like, okay, I see what you're saying. I yeah. did feel that in the beginning, because the, the first part feels very meandering, right? They're just mm-hmm. kind of like on this train, and then the train goes to the wrong place, yeah. and then they're like wandering through the desert, yeah. and like, right, it's very, 
just kind of road movie like meandering. Like these events are just kind of happening. And I and I not to say that I I think that's like awful or something. It has a very it has its own kind of feel. And uh, I don't think it's necessarily like bad or something, but it's it's different. Um, well, than... let me let me give two examples. I'll ask you one question first. Sure. Uh, so in the scene you just mentioned, yeah. the train goes to the wrong place. Yeah. Uh, the train doesn't really go to the wrong place. Well, the they... train might go to Perth, but their car gets unhitched and there were asleep sure, sure. or something. Sure, they, right? they end up in the wrong place. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so there's a station agent mm-hmm. at that you know place that just drops off. Mm-hmm. Whatever it is, cattle cars, I'm not sure what. And as they're leaving, the station agent hands them a bag. Mm-hmm. Do you remember this? Mm-hmm. What was in the bag? Water. Water? I think so. Doesn't he drink from it later? He drinks from it. So they just handed him, I don't know, I couldn't tell. Yeah, I think it was water because he, he, Mel Gibson at one point I think drinks from it. Okay, when they're, so when they're just, like silhouetted. He hands them a water bag. He's like, "Here, take this bag." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Because when they're like, there's a scene where they're like silhouetted, and Mel Gibson like falls over, or whatever, and he drinks from it. You see him drink from it. I couldn't tell because it was on like it looked like a bag that you carry yeah, with yeah. a hanger. It was. It had a distinctive silhouette. And then later, it looked like a circular thing with a actual mouthpiece. So I couldn't tell the entire time. I wasn't sure. Pretty sure it's water. Okay. I mean, I don't know that it's that important, really. I'm um, just trying to emphasize how confused I was about some of these shots. Like, I didn't really know. I was like, maybe that's the water thing, but it didn't look like it when he handed it to him. I just didn't know. A lot of times I was just like, all right, I guess that was the thing. A- another example would be uh, of that exact same thing happening mm-hmm. is at one point he shows up, the main character shows up at a dance with uh, where the general is to mm-hmm. give him a note. Mm-hmm. I, I I had no idea. Like I was like, where did the note come from? Did he get that in a previous scene? Did he just, what's happening here? Why does this guy have a note? Mm-hmm. He's not a courier. That's not what he does, mm-hmm. right? I, I had no idea. Do you know where he got that note from? No. Yeah, me neither. So a lot of times there were things like that in the thing where I literally was confused. I was like, I actually don't know what's happening. Um, and that was literal confusion. Hmm. Yeah, I but, guess I, I, I it's interesting because like I see what you're saying. Like I get I get like yes, it's true. The movie didn't explain where the note came from or where like why he was assigned to why do it. Why he would have had but such I guess, a thing, right? I I guess I don't He's a grunt. He's not you know, he doesn't he's not even a attache. He's just a enlisted, like low level combatant, you know? Well I guess I mean it, it the I mean, I guess I just don't, it's that thing of I just don't think about it that much. But like, you know, I'm just like, sure, he was assigned, he had to go give him this message. Like, you know, that's, that's the extent probably of where my, that's like where my brain stops. All right. For me, it's like, there's like a half second kind of thing at the beginning of a scene where you're like, okay, what's going on? And then pretty quickly, based on the setup of the scene, you understand, you're like, okay, right. And I think... For me, I'm just able to say, okay, and then let the scene keep going. But it seems like you're like, wait, what? No, like, this is not, that doesn't make any sense. And, like, your brain goes down this, like, rabbit hole of, like, well, what, 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 this, and then this, and then this, right? Like, um, well, yeah, yeah. Whereas I'm just like, you know, there is that moment of confusion at the beginning of the scene. Yeah. That pretty quickly, as soon as the setup okay. kind of establishes things, I just, like, it's like, okay. I'm, and I just go from there. But I do, yeah, I mean, I guess I I agree with you that, I, because sometimes this movie jumps around, it, it, right? I mean, it's like... It's following them through uh, quite a big series of events and a f- probably a, f- a decent amount of time as well. Yeah, you jump to a Egypt and you jump to... Right, you're jumping but, to these different yeah. places. And so, 
I think sometimes when you do those like jumps, there's like, this moment of like, okay, I need to like recalibrate and and get my bearings right. But I never found myself feeling confused or like lost or something when it did that. That would that would not have been high on my list of like complaints with the movie. So yeah, I don't know the how high it is on my list of complaints. I was just trying to illustrate that there was actually some literal confusion where I'm like, I actually don't know what happened here. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it, but it was more rare. Most I of the also time, think in general, though, I I would say the movie is not confusing. I think it actually is very clear at, at what's going it, on. Yeah, like I said, I think because there is no overt plot to this movie, there's no you don't need to understand specific like motivations for particular incidents that are super important or something. There well, isn't especially since once they're, you know, once they're off to war, their their choices generally are not theirs to make anyway, it, right? Yes, you're a soldier, you have to go where and do go where you're yes. told and do what you're told. So it's not a movie where I think there is all that much opportunity for confusion. Right. Uh so I think that is probably why I wasn't literally more confused more of the time. Mm-hmm. Um but anyway, so let me give the second example I want to give uh that that was about the other kind of confusion, mm-hmm. discord, whatever you want to call it. So when they are leaving, they're setting off to go uh, to, th- there's like a boat leaving that is going to go to basic training. The first, so the, when they leave Australia, you mean? I think. When they're leaving Australia? There's two I, times when they set out, once from Australia yeah, to Egypt and then once from Egypt to To be to, honest, like, Turkey, I, I, I've, to this movie is kind of Swiss cheese in my head. So I'm like, I don't remember which one it was. It might have been when they're leaving to actually go to battle. That was the scene with the lights and the landing craft. But before, so before that, did they actually set off? It doesn't matter. Never, Let me just no, 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 no. You don't see them set off. When you right. see them set off so is the when they leave time. Australia. It's the leaving Australia yes. one that I'm thinking of. That's the one I thought I was thinking of. And I think, mm-hmm. it, I think it is. Uh, doesn't the matter. tone is very different of those two scenes. This movie does a nice job of like portraying that idealistic sort of like I'm going off to war. I'm so excited. Right. Like this is going to be fun. And like the the one main character has that feeling up until he's about to go over the wall. Right. About to go over the um the trench wall. And, and almost that, seemingly even then, in a way, like he's like he believe he's still, he's yeah. weirdly like the most dedicated soldier. You know. Yeah, he's very like idealistic and and uh, yes. But but I think like that. I think the reason those scenes feel so different to me. Because you're like, oh, which one is it? But to me, they feel so different. The one leaving Australia feels very, like, light and... It and- it doesn't, and that's what I'm about to complain about. And I think that's also the reason why I had trouble placing it. So, but we'll, well talk depends. about that I guess it depends, because there's, like, you know, there's the one soldier who has to, is saying goodbye to his wife. That's exactly what I was going to talk about. Yeah. But I think it's, it's the... I think the seriousness with which that character takes this, like, he understands, right? But the boys don't. And that's what I... That's sort of what I'm responding to right mm-hmm. is like these young men are just excited they're just like this is awesome I'm well, except ha- for mel gibson but yeah sure but i mean you know i think the sense you get overwhelmingly from the way that ever you know our main the guy we've been the archie who we've been following is very excited and then like all the other guys are on the boat are like woohoo mm-hmm. right yeah. but when they actually head out like when they get that command like okay you're going everyone's kind of like uh and and that and then the next scene with the lights and the darkness, it's like and everybody's expression on the boats, it's like totally different, right? Everybody's like, uh, okay, this is real now. Um, even Archie then though still has like a bit of like he's like every looking around and everybody's so glum and he's like, oh, this is exciting, you know. Well, um, and it, in a, in a way, it's weird because when they arrive where they're going, the people there are not particularly serious either. Like you know, you got the guy who like sticks the tin can on his 
end of his thing. Well, I think is that's like, what ha- you start being desensitized yeah, to it, right? Yeah. Like when I think I think the the <laughs> first time you go, right? Like these 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 guys on these landing craft have never seen war. Yeah. Um, and then the people who are kind of waiting there at yeah. that beach have probably been there for a while yeah, and are normalized. kind of desensitized, right? Yeah. You see that there's a great moment too where they're walking through the trench and they like slap the hand. There's like a guy who's like yeah, buried yeah, in the yeah. trench and they like give him a high five yeah. or whatever. And Mel Gibson and, and uh, Archie or whatever are like, uh, yeah. oh, yeah. right? It's that sort of like yep. you're, you kind of become desensitized. I think that the movie, does, that's sort of where I think the movie is really good. I would say that that was probably the strongest part of the movie for me was... Yeah, the the arrival at the uh, not the arrival, but just generally yeah, yeah. what happened at that prior to yeah. the sort of climax where they actually go over the wall. That thing of like portraying it is kind of just like, yeah, this is just how it That's is. That's what I mean. Like the normal, it, it you know? portrays all of this stuff in such this like everyday. Yeah, like it, you just. It was a different take on it than yeah. the other two movies, which was interesting. Yeah, it's like war is portrayed in in a very mundane way, which it actually would have felt like most of the time, right? Like, and even I love the scene at the training when they were training in Egypt, and they have that like mock fight, and yeah. it's just like chaos, and they aren't yeah. taking it seriously, yeah. and they're like falling down, pretending yeah. to be dead, and there's like people trying to yeah. sell them stuff, and like yeah. the chaos of that felt so true, right? It's like yeah, yeah. That's it. Just that was yep. such a good scene. I, I I don't know. I just think this movie really really did a great job of portraying the mundane reality of being a soldier during this time. And I think that for me, that's like that's what really stands out about this movie as as being like kind of unique and um, and good. I just I liked it. Um, I think you know with nineteen seventeen they tried to do like little bits of like just having them have a conversation that felt yeah. that felt a little mundane right yeah. but but I think this movie you you spend the majority of the movie with the mundane moments of being a soldier before the before you're at the actual yeah, battle I, I mean I definitely liked uh the movie I think more than nineteen seventeen mm-hmm. just not much more I guess yeah. is what I would say. Um, they're pretty different. I mean, they're very they're trying to do pretty different things, but but let me just give let me just give the example I wanted to give just to to solidify how I think it this happens throughout the entire movie. Yeah. So when that soldier is it's not a soldier he's a he's like a major or something. I mean, he's a high up guy. Yeah, yeah. He's he's like um, an officer of some kind. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't remember what his rank is. They probably I don't said. Either. Yeah. But he's talking to his wife in a private conversation. Mm-hmm. I literally had no idea that guy was even a character in this film until that point. It felt so out of place to me. The f- only other time that I can remember him ever being seen is I think he asked the guy what his name was. And he says L- LaSalle or whatever. And he's like, oh, the runner. And he's like, like, the runner? And he's like, no. And he's like, okay. That's the only time we've ever seen this guy. And now we're having like a private, intimate conversation with him and his wife who we've never seen before, while our main characters are not talking to anybody and are on a boat. It's very odd, right? And I don't, I definitely don't feel that way. I mean, okay, but like it's super strange to suddenly introduce a new like pseudo main character where you're like, okay, this person's so important. We're going to have a private conversation with him and his wife who you don't know on the dock of a ship that's leaving while the main characters are ignored. That is odd I, in a movie. I guess I disagree with... Like, I actually like that scene, though. As I described earlier, I really liked having that moment of, like, the two different, very different reactions to going off to war, 
right? The this the difference between the young men and the and the sort of the older men who kind of understand. Like I don't know, I thought that was like a pretty effective moment. It would have been an effective moment if it had not been like it is literally the thing I was talking about with the camel's ass. We're seeing the torso of a person in a shot and just the torso instead of the head and the body. Well, what do you mean though? Like what 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 would you have wanted? What would you have needed for that to have some other a scene where that character's POV exists before that? Like, you can't just throw a character that the audience doesn't know and then have an intimate conversation. That's not the first thing that a character does. It can't be, right? We have to see that other character in a scene or two first. We ha- I mean, we don't have to. Yeah, we do. Do we? I mean... There's no rules about this. <laughs> there's no rules. It's just how it works. Otherwise, it's just, wait, what? Who is this guy? I, That's I, the I feeling. Did, I didn't have that feeling. I'm throwing it to the movie club on that one. I mean, I think it's it maybe, movie club. Maybe it go- was that jarring or not? I think it just goes. This feels like it goes back to the same thing we always talk about. You need to know more about a character to care about them than I do. So, I, I think I don't it, think it's I need. I think this is just how stories usually work for the majority of people. I mean, it's I, the I, reason uh, why you don't just show just the climax of a film. It's because it's the same scene either way. It doesn't mean the same thing if you haven't taken time to get people acclimated with who you are talking about. I guess. I, did, I just, I didn't feel that way about the scene. All right. I didn't feel, I didn't find it to be jarring or something. I don't know. I just didn't feel that way. So that's how I felt about most scenes of this movie. They're mm-hmm. mostly the torso rather than the head and you know, body of a human. <laughs> so we're just looking at the midsection mm. of the story the whole time, and we never get the whole story uh, laid out in the way that you would normally do I it. Mean, I, yeah, I guess I, I definitely don't have the same complaints that you do, but I do think there's overlap in our complaints. I mean, I do think the movie in general has a bit of a, of a sort of like chaotic feeling to it. And maybe it's a little bit of that like road movie thing too, where you never really know where things are going next, and there's often jumps in in location and uh, who you're focusing on at any given time. It's a little bit like all over the place. Well, and there's also like not a lot of reason for a lot of the stuff to be in there, which makes me wonder why it isn't a little more streamlined, so that you could do some of these other things that I think would have helped the movie a lot. For example, the entire sequence of crossing the desert is largely unnecessary. Yes. And well, that's why I say the, I think the beginning of the movie has the, these problems the most for me. Yeah. And the reason I say that is because it's not that it couldn't have been interesting. Crossing that desert could have been an opportunity for us to really establish and understand the bond between these two characters and where they both are. But actually the way the movie films it, it's a low stakes, uninteresting, just we kind of jib at each other a little bit road picture thing that happened uh, that nobody was particularly concerned about, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, um, at best, the best it does is, like, it kind of, it show, it does show you a little bit about the character, but where it's, like, Archie... we already knew. Yeah, it was like, well, Archie, Archie just is, like, has this this belief that things will yeah. just be fine and work out and just goes yeah. off into the desert, right? And and uh, and Mel Gibson's character just kind of follows along behind him because there's something about maybe that that sort of, like, 
energy that's appealing. Um, but that's that's really all you get from the scene. Exactly, and it's very long. There's multiple shots in the desert. All of those shots could have been used for a better purpose, right? And so that's why yeah. I also think that it's. A, I wouldn't buy the defense of this movie that, well, the reason that it has to be so disjoint and we get characters suddenly having intimate conversations out of the blue because is because we didn't have time to establish yeah, yeah. That's not no, true. This I, movie had plenty of time. Yeah. It chose to use it in ways that well, I thought I were unproductive. I think the overall the overall feeling I get of of where my most my complaints lie is in the sort of like this sort of sloppy there's this messy feeling generally with the filmmaking overall. It feels like pretty much across the board to me. Yeah. The the music is all over the place. Yeah. The film the actual shots are like yeah. at times quite messy like there's a lot yeah. of times where the camera's just like shaking like it's just yeah. moving and it's not intentional right yeah. it's like there's like a sloppiness to th- to things in this movie that's kind of like consistent in all aspects of it yeah um and that's i think that's sort of the the biggest complaint i had with it is it never really comes together because there's just this like general sloppiness that keeps the movie from really ever being great and then there's often these decisions like i think the music is obviously a decision that's kind of like pretty bad um and even down to like you know the last shot was like a bold decision right you're gonna have them it's like, terrible and it's terrible and yeah, it's it, terrible. It, it feels like dated and like weird like i get that he he probably was like oh, this feels bold right like i'm gonna try yeah, to do this not. bold thing and it just doesn't work right because I, I mean think, even if he just fell over and we just held that for a little while it would have been 10 times more impactful because it like shows just yeah, the yeah. futility of it. Yeah, yeah. Instead, it was like making it into this weird freeze frame statue. It was, it just, so... it was almost funny yeah, yeah. At, at a point when it was supposed to be the yeah. most depressing. Exactly. It was just funny. And, and it, was, it was bad, it was very an, bad. It was an attempt to be bold, right? It yes. was an attempt to do something artsy and, yes. and be bold and it fails. Yes. And um, Yeah, I agree. And so that those are the things that I'm mostly, the negative things that I'm mostly feeling with this movie. Those like... Those decisions that don't that don't work, right? Yes. Or the or the sloppiness of the filmmaking or the weirdness of the music choices. Like that all comes together to give you this feeling of it just like not quite working. Even though I think yes. there's there's a lot of like good stuff. As you say, I think the idea in general is like really solid. Like I, I literally think that just in the same way that probably most of the filmmaking mm-hmm. of this movie could have been better just by choosing your angles better. Yeah. Be- and it becomes a 10 times better movie to see. Yeah. I think the exact same thing is true to the screenplay. It was not a problem. There was no inherent structural or character problems with this movie. Right, right. It was a good story. They just told it really yeah. poorly. I mean, I even think the characters were good. They were charming. I totally I mean, agree. You had so many side characters who you liked. You know, yes. like the, there's all these people. You 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 always knew who they were. You recognized their faces. Yes. The casting was pretty good, I would say. Yes. And so it was really working well at some things that a lot of movies struggle with. The raw materials were there. Yeah. Right. And and some movies they're just not. And I loved. Right? And as I said before, I love the mundane. And I think Master and Commander is is actually kind of similar in that way. I think there's this love, this this sort of like, we're going to take a war, but we're going to really focus on like the everyday life of our characters yes. in a war. And I think that's so nice. Like, I really love that. I think Peter Weir clearly likes doing that. And um, and I would love to see more movies like that. Um, I think Master and Commander is a much better movie. Um, well, it, and- it doesn't feel like Master and Commander feels like really solid to me. 
uh, it doesn't have like a lot of the sloppiness that I think this movie has. Master Commander, I, I mean, Peter Weir obviously got better. He probably mm-hmm. had a bigger budget. Budget. He probably, probably had helps. more experience. Yeah. So he definitely got better. I still just fundamentally think I don't like his his mm-hmm. choices just don't work for me. And I think the reason I like, I, I think because Master and Commander doesn't have the messiness. There's also, it's a it's, much smaller scope in the sense that it's yeah, just yeah. this one ship. It's true. Probably helps too. It's true, but I think I think by getting rid of some of the messiness, it doesn't, you know, yeah. the, the music works. Right, the, right, It doesn't right. have these weird cuts. It doesn't yeah. have sloppy camera work. Yeah. And by getting rid of all that, I think you end up with like a really solid movie. I mean, I love Master and Commander. You know yeah. I do. So it's like, I think this movie has... Some of the good aspects of like a master and commander, but it's just, it's got some sloppiness for sure. So uh, I want to point out a thing that I thought really worked in the screenplay. Mm -hmm. And just to give a contrast of like, I think most of the screenwriting was not good. Yeah. uh, But I did think there was an example of doing it right. Mm -hmm. So uh, Mel Gibson's character. Yeah. uh, I think with a few exceptions of early shots where I gave that example of like, I think the way they kind of structured some of those scenes could have been better. Sure. But his character by and large, I think they actually did the strongest job on. Yeah. Early in the movie, they kind of established that this guy's a bit of a con man, mm-hmm. sort of. I mean, he's not a con man's too strong, but he's, he's, he's definitely a character who actually gets like an arc. Like yeah, he, he has a low moral fiber. Yeah. You yeah. kind of are led to believe he just kind of wants to do fairly illicit things and skate by. He, he's not, he doesn't have a lot of integrity, mm-hmm. right? And he, there's also this feeling of like wasted potential, right? He's this runner. He's like exceptional he's a waste athlete. Potential, um, uh, and you know, doesn't want to do anything that you know could takes work. Takes work. We also kind of find out that he doesn't like the British. He, like he has a family history there, mm-hmm. perhaps, and he's like kind of antagonistic to them or whatever. And so you have a lot of setup for this character about what his motivations might be and why he might want to or not want to be in war, why he might be taking it seriously or not seriously, and what he might do when he's there. And so we have a lot of information about him, and it's really solid and good. Far more, I would even say, than the ostensible main character, who is less interesting and complicated. He also, He's simpler. I mean, he stays um, the same, like... Kind of stays the constant same. Constant through the movie, uh, which is not a problem, it's I would not, say. It's not a problem, but the point is it's it's less interesting. Mm-hmm. Mel Gibson's character is much more interesting. He did a good job mm-hmm. of explaining to me why he is interesting. Mm-hmm. And it comes across. Yeah. Um. At the end of the movie, that comes to... They, they do all the work necessary to make that matter. Yeah. We are shown... Unlike almost anything else in this movie, because this movie has almost no setup and payoff ever. Yeah. It, it does not do that. Things don't connect in this film. They mm-hmm. just happen and that and then they're forgotten. They take pains to show us that there is a particular part you can't cross. You get shot at. If yep. you run across, you get shot at. Yep. And so you're pretty sure that Mel Gibson would be the last person who would try to do that because he's just out to save his own skin. Yeah. Um He's the Han Solo of this movie, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. But when his actual friend's life is on the line later, he you see him, he takes a moment to think about it. We get that moment of thought, Yep. right? Again, really important in screenwriting to me. He internalizes it. He's like, am I going to do this? Am I not going to do this? He's like, I'm going to do this. And he like pushes himself visually. Great acting from Mel Gibson here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Mel Gibson is really good in this movie. Really good, and he does it. That whole thing is good screenwriting. Yeah. If this movie had 
done more of that, Mm -hmm. meaning more like careful choices about when, where, and how in each scene we see, a lot, I think, of these other scenes also could have been restructured to have that more visceral impact to me uh, than they did. Mm -hmm. And so I did want to point that out because I thought that was very well done. Yeah, I that's definitely a standout moment. Um and that that whole part of the movie is just really intense. Uh like I mean Gallipoli was an absolute massacre, right? And and to see these guys like being told to go up over this trench yeah. and just get mowed down completely, yeah. not a single one survives, right? And you've you know, you've spent the movie's spent like 2 hours or however long, an hour and a half building up these characters, like you've just yeah. been spending time with these yeah. these characters, and to just know that okay, they're just gonna get mowed down is like pretty brutal, right? It actually kind of felt a lot like uh, Paths of Glory in that way. It's a similar where it's like, situation, yeah. It, it, it makes me feel like they're probably again, if I went and like learned more about World War One, because I don't know really anything about it, that it was again just this uh, kind of thing where I really get this sense that the people in charge didn't know that war was nothing like it used to be. So mm-hmm. they were giving orders that were the kinds of orders you would give in open field musket battles, right? Yeah. Without the understanding I mean, that also, like that doesn't work anymore. It also is pretty clear that communication was a big problem, yes. um, which is a big problem in this movie, right? Is like there's this miscommunication between the people yeah. in the trenches and then the people sort of immediately commanding them between like what's actually going on. Yeah. But yeah, you do get the same as the paths of glory, right? Like the guys on the phone being like, yeah, uh, what <laughs> you're yeah, telling yeah. us to, I, you know, you're telling me to basically just send these men to their deaths. Like, yeah, I don't know if it's, it's probably not some sort of like homage to paths of glory because it's, it's based on an actual real conflict that happened. This movie did do a good job though, much like paths of glory did. I think of, you know, illustrating presumably a true thing about World War One, which is really stupid orders getting a lot of people well, killed. Well, and, and Gallipoli would be sort of the classic, classic example, battle yeah. that would be an example of that. I think the movie is... Uh, I I enjoyed watching it, I will say. I think I, I, I liked it quite a bit. Um, I did not. Despite did its, not. D- despite its all, all of its, like, wonkiness, and uh, I, I enjoyed it. I didn't... Um, and I, I liked The Big Blue better. I mean, I didn't like The Big That's Blue, That's so interesting because I, I found The Big Blue uh, really hard to get through to keep my attention. This movie never never struggled to get keep my attention. I, was, I, I did. So I had okay. the same kind of feeling where I was like, God, how long is this going to go on for? Really? Yeah, I just didn't I didn't have that at all. I felt there all. was an immersiveness to this movie um, that I, I kind of liked. I did not. It's probably it's similar to the Master Commander that attention to detail the yep. the slice of life sort of mundane thing I always love. So. I have the same feeling in Master Commander, so it's it's I think it's just the same. Yep, same same thing. Yeah, uh, there's a certain like level of tuning that I kind of like when it fall when the screenplay falls below a certain tuning level for me. I just I'm not I can't hold it together. Yeah. Uh, and I'm I'm sort of outside of the movie ruminating on what's going on in the movie as opposed to actually like in it mm-hmm. um and so you know y- you get i don't know you get what you get uh yeah and and i don't think it ha- matters that much what the type of the movie is just a tuning it's like a polish issue for me or something i'm not sure yeah or detail you want you want your, there to be more in there for your brain to like latch on to or something i don't know no i just want it to be like like I said, I mean, I tried to give examples of how, like the Mel Gibson shot mm-hmm. at the beginning. I was like cut to the running version of him. It's that kind of thing. It's like 
if if the screenplay properly has oriented all the stuff to correctly sort of in my opinion show what's happening in this scene that's what keeps me in the scene and if you didn't do that then I don't even down to like I can watch a movie like Clerks where nothing happens but every like thing in the screenplay is kind of set up to do a certain thing Mm. and be digestible in that way I'm fine with it you know so it's like the screenplay I'm very sensitive to in a way that I can overlook other things you know if the if the cinematography kind of sucks it's really not going to ruin the movie for me other yeah. people it might right yeah totally um, I and mean, i think i think i'm definitely a lot less sensitive to the screenplay than you are that's and you sure. are more sensitive to cinematography uh and, and visually just, if something isn't very interesting you tend to tune out for me i think the the thing i want most in a movie is an experience like the audio right. visual Right. And emotional. Like, yes. I, I want there to be some emotional core. I think that's actually the biggest thing is the emotional part of it. Uh, I, I need there to be something I can emotionally, like, And I guess to. this movie kind of straddles that line. It sort of has the emotional core, but it's a bit weak. Yeah, exactly. But it's, it's sort of it's, there. There's enough. It's I, enough there. And I'm, I mean, I think the movie, it doesn't achieve greatness. I mean, and I think it even, it, it at times undercuts itself. I mean, the, the probably the worst example is... Well, the, the last mu- shot. The music in the last shot are the ones I think of. Yeah. I mean, there's the scene of Mel. I don't know if you. So after, I, I think it might be right around that. It's when he's running around delivering messages. Yeah. There's a scene of him running down the hill. Yeah. And the music yeah. is like the '80s yep. synth crap, and it's yep. like so awful. It t- yeah. completely pulls you out of the movie. And it, it sucks because this is like the climax. Like yes. this is such an intense moment, and the yes. movie's like undercutting itself. And it's the part that's the the thing that I was saying was the best yes, screenwriting. But exactly. the Mel Gibson and, and make so, it. And so yes, the movie it, is its it, own worst it, enemy in scenes yes. like that. And the, I think the uh, the last cut, the last shot is uh, is a great example of that too. Where it's like you take this moment. It's like your main character is dying. He's getting shot. And it, there's so much that's good about it too. It's like he's running as fast as he can. Yeah. He's the last one standing, and then he just gets taken out i mean that's like that's intense that's powerful stuff and then you just totally undercut it by doing this like silly cut that just that you're you're just like what that was ridiculous and it's like it's it's frustrating at times the other weird thing about that kind of is you know thinking back on it too i suppose you could have been really bold with that and it in a different way if they just had a gunshot sound and cut to black yeah cut to black and then that would have been fine yes that would have still been pretty bold right I mean that's not common and it's I think Um, it's the same it's the effect he was going for yeah instead it just undercut it without the cheesiness so I I think that's there's this general sloppiness of decisions of yeah that that just this movie will never achieves like that greatness but I think there's a lot of really good stuff happening in it that's sort of my feeling well I think we agree on that. Like, yeah. I, I think I also agree. You know, unlike some movies where I'm just like, like Dune was like a rewrite. I was like, forget this. There's nothing in this movie. You just scrap sure, it, sure, sure. start over, yeah. right? This was not that movie. I feel like this movie was one where it, it like, it had a lot of potential and I just don't feel like it got there. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm more negative on it than you on what actually came out. Sure. But I totally agree that like, this could have been a very good movie yeah. with different decisions. Yep. Um, yep. So. so I think that's it. And that wraps up our uh, World War One month. Thanks for uh, entertaining me, folks, because that was a, that was just totally like an Anna, Anna hijacks the movie club. Well, I also have learned that I'd never want to be in World War One. Oh, it's never want to be in war. Nobody just don't just don't want to do it. Yeah. I think next month. So it's going to be October, which is the spooky month. 
So uh, I'm pretty sure we're, we're going to do spooky. We're going to do spooky. We're going to do some scary movies. But next week we're going to do our live stream, right? Yeah, we're we're taking a break from movies, yeah. and we're going to well, not really, because we're going to watch something. Um, Hopefully, by the time this comes out, we will have something up that says what we're doing. Yeah. So we will see you next week. We will. Uh, join us on Twitch. It will I, probably be a disaster. It's the first time we're doing this, yeah. but we'll do oh, it a couple times till we get it right. We'll figure it out how to yeah. do it at some point. So uh, yeah. we'll see you on Twitch. I guess it'll be the, will it be Simiratory or what will it be on Handmade Hero? I don't know. You know, that channel needs to be rebranded Molly Rocket so we can stream other stuff on it anyway, but I just haven't gotten around to it yet. All right. At some point we will. Is it going to be that one though? Is it going to we'll be? We'll post the link. Just on the Substack, there'll be a link to Twitch. We'll to where to out. watch it. We'll and figure just it out. click on that link yeah. and be you will be happy. And uh yeah, join us. Uh we'll and we'll yes. have all the details on our Substack. Sounds so. good. And then after that, we're on to the spooky month. See you there everybody. Bye.